All right, guys, let's go ahead and get started. Um, a couple announcements starting next week. We have a, uh, sign, finally we've got to sign up for evening prayer. For uh, uh, anybody who wants to lead the chanting or reading, sign it up. I'm actually going to put that on the table over there. You can do that, you know, just before you leave or whatever. We have all the dates up until Holy Week. So you can fill that out if you want. Great. If you don't, that's okay too. The other announcement is related to our times together. So we'll meet the next couple weeks. And then we're going to be taking a break, obviously, for Christmas. And, and then we'll be taking a little bit of break in the beginning of January. So the bulletin will have all the information, but just, just in case you were wondering. Okay, um, tonight we'll run very similar to last week's where we'll pray. We'll split up into our, uh, you know what, I forgot. David, did you check to see if the lights were on in the other rooms? Yeah. I mean, I think we can all figure out how to turn the lights on. It's fine. I, just, I didn't want anybody to think that they weren't going to be used because the lights weren't on. So, yes, we, the door should be open. The, yeah, we'll turn the lights on. Anyways, like last week, we split up into the Old Testament, the Epistle, and the Gospel reading. I encourage everybody to, you know, feel free to, you know, pick a different reading or, um, or stick with the one you had. It's fine. But we'll be meeting in the same places, so Gospel will stay here, Epistle was in the uh, Pastor's Library, and then the uh, Old Testament was over in 206. Our, our fearless leaders will be leading the discussion again. But before we, I'm just going to tell you the readings. So the Old Testament reading is from Isaiah 40, and you know, when you guys read it, you'll, you'll recognize it. It's Isaiah 40. Not, not the whole chapter. And then the epistle reading is from 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter is one that we don't often read together. And then Mark chapter 1, the uh, first eight verses, I believe. Yes, eight verses. Andrew. I I plan to be here for the next two weeks, but I was just curious if there was a day where I can't be here. Does anyone else? Oh, yeah. Does anyone else like You want to tickle the ivories for evening prayer? If not, we'll go a cappella. That's right. Don't worry about it. Just, just trust me. We have we have a lot of great singers here. We can. Uh, what's the group? Pentatonics. Pentatonics. Right here. This is us. We could do that. <laughs> we do, we could. We could try. Okay, great. So Isaiah 40, 2 Peter chapter three, Mark chapter one. Uh, like we did, we'll spend some time. Uh, individual groups, and then we'll come back for our large group plenary discussion. One little change, if we could be like done at 710 so that we can start a discussion in here at 715, that would be great. Any other questions? Okay. All right, let's pray then. We're going we're gonna to pray the soul of Christ prayer. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within thy wounds, hide me. And suffer me not to be separated from you. From the malignant enemy, defend me. 
In the hour of my death, call me and bid me come to you, that with your saints I may praise you forever and ever. Amen. All right, we'll see you guys in 20 or 30 minutes. We've got a whole half an hour. This is great. All right. Last week, did we start with the Old Testament last week? Our first one? Maybe we'll start with the maybe we'll start with the gospel. Okay. We're going to start with the gospel reading. So, uh, Max handed out a little packet is similar to last week's packet. Um, rather than me reading all the text, let's just you can open towards the back. Mark chapter 1. All right, so the gospel reading, oh, I'm sorry, this year is year B in the three-year lectionary. So we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John is kind of just spread out through all three of those. Uh, so we'll be spending a lot of time with the gospel of Mark. Uh, so no better place than to start at Mark chapter 1. So what is the big question? I, I heard, so the Mark... The gospel group has a big question. So we uh, wrestled through what was John's baptism. Yes. As, as, as I was preparing for things, it seems that nobody agrees with each other. Right. And all of the commentaries that I read through and yeah. people's thoughts about what John's baptism was. Yeah, right. Well, it wasn't Jesus' baptism. Let's put it that way. I, I think that's probably a good place to begin. It's not... I mean, just from the text itself, we'll, we'll find out that John baptizes with water and Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So the big, yes, so Joe already, yeah, nobody really kind of can, can agree on what exactly this baptism was. Because there were uh, not only different groups baptizing, they were doing it in little different ways. Uh, some might just call them uh, purification rites. Some might call them, you know, the word baptism, baptizo. Uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found by a community in Qumran. And that place is a very interesting place because there are all these different pools in Qumran where you could add, are these baptismal fonts? Uh, well, no, they weren't because they... They were Christians. But, uh, so, the use of water in the spiritual lives of a group of the Jewish faith, or Jewish people, was used often. But most likely, John's baptism was a purification rite where people said, I have lived this particular way, which is like sinful or against God's way and now I'm going to go this other way and we we get that from the gospel of Luke where you know Jesus says you brood of vipers and then they say what should we do and Jesus gives them a really simple outline if you you know if you're a soldier don't extort people and it's real simple I'm sorry, not Jesus, John. So the idea of repentance in this situation is this kind of a renewal of life according to God's way. But to kind of put it in a more simpler term, 
you know, this, this washing was a symbol of a spiritual renewal. It didn't actually deliver a gift. Where Jesus' baptism delivers the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But, but I guess the, the, the big question, though, is because it says he was preaching the baptism of repentance for the... Yeah, forget, okay, yeah, think, yeah, right. Yeah, so, so was John's baptism, did it wash away sins? Yes, it did. However, again, how, how were sins forgiven? Well, through the word, the word being preached. And, of course, forgiveness of sins is not a New Testament or a Jesus thing. This is already in the Old Testament where sins were forgiven by certain means. See that especially in the temple. You know, I know everyone's book of the, favorite book of the Bible is Leviticus, right? Everyone's favorite book. They go home and you meditate upon that, right? Well, the phrase forgiveness of sins is mentioned the most in Leviticus. So, if you, want, if you want to learn about the forgiveness of sins, read Leviticus. Is that where they recognize about the washing, sir? Well, yeah, so Leviticus is, is all about the temple and the, the sacrifices and what they're for and how to do them. When John, when John was baptized, oh, where did he get those from? Recognize that, hey, this is something that has to do with our ancestry. Okay, yeah, right. So now going to back to, to John's preaching... Because the preaching and the baptism go together, right? So the preaching of John is, hey, there's this guy coming. The Messiah is coming. And you see this especially in Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, where the angel Gabriel will, or, yeah, the angel Gabriel says to Zechariah, uh, a people prepared. Your, your, to Zechariah, your son is going to prepare these people for the Messiah. So this idea of the baptism is this kind of preparation for. So this is why John's baptism ceases to exist once Jesus comes. David. So this is the question that they ask in Acts chapter 19 when Paul goes um, to Ephesus and he finds disciples and he asks, um, into what were you baptized? And he said, into John's baptism. Right. And Paul's answer, he says, John baptized with the baptism of repentance telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them. Yeah. So, the... Right, so, so John's baptism was a, a preparation. Obviously, not everyone had to be baptized with John's baptism in order to become a Christian. But, as the people of Israel... Uh, because this is a, well, it's, it's, a, it's according to Mark, right? So all of Jerusalem and Judea are coming out. That's, those are Jewish lands. So all the Jews are coming out to John. So John's baptism is primarily for the Jews. And, but <laughs> what's interesting about the baptism itself, again, you see this more explicitly in Matthew, but basically... The Jews, uh, the Hebrews, however you want to refer to them, uh, they're, no, they're not any better than the Gentiles because they have to do this baptism. I mean, this, this is a really a, a humbling and a, 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 
a repentance, you know, you're basically saying, you know, I've sinned against the Lord and the Lord needs to enliven me. But again, the biggest thing about John's baptism is always understood in relation to Jesus's baptism. So like, it, the most important thing about John's baptism is not really John's baptism. It's how it prepare, it's, it's in relation to Jesus's baptism. And Jesus's baptism is with the Holy Spirit, which of course is delivered in the water. I mean, that's why they look very similar. And, you know, if you were to show up at this time, you'd be like, well, what's the difference? Because it looks similar. Well, obviously the difference is the Trinitarian name, Matthew chapter 28, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then also, too, it's the delivery of the Holy Spirit, so the presence of God. So you have repentance, forgiveness of sins, and now you have the presence of God alive in you, the union with God. Yeah. So, and I mean, so you see this in John the Baptist already, right? John chapter 3, he says, I must what? Decrease, he must increase. So this is a really, really good picture of us, is that, again, it's not like John's baptism is worthless. It is a, it's the most powerful thing at that particular time, but then gives way to something even more or even better. And, and that's, of course, is the point. We want to be focused on that part, not, not the other part. All right, was there any other questions in that discussion? Or any other questions related to this, too? I, I think we had a question, but I think we had some good, just some good conversation. Uh, Mike had a really good point that uh, you, you brought up that mountains were really important for this lot. Right, the yep. Those are probably second most important. <laughs> That's right. So like Jordan, this is a really uh, important thing for, for those people that have been there in a really important place. Yep. John was probably pretty countercultural in the way in which he was living compared to the priests of the day. That's right. Yeah, you know, the, uh, so all these things happen. So time is important. Geography is important in the Bible. And when you see these certain places, you always know something amazing is going to happen. So if it has to do with the Jordan River, you should be expecting something wonderful. If something happens on a third day, you should be expecting something wonderful to happen. Or seven days. I mean, all through the Old Testament, you'll have these things happening on the third day which is a foreshadowing, of course, of the resurrection of Jesus. So, yeah, anytime you see the Jordan River, you should be like, okay, everything that's happened through the Jordan River is now pointing towards this moment. So, of course, what happens in the Jordan River? The first time Jordan River comes up is when? When the people come into the Promised Land, right? So the Jordan River is the means in which they go from their old life into this new life. Jordan River is the cleansing river of Naaman. So, I mean, there's a variety of stories. We could spend a long time on that. Uh, the one, one thing I wanted to highlight about this text, just as food for thought, and then we'll go into the epistle, is in the original Greek text, there's no punctuation. So I'm going to read something and just have you think about this. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet... How, reading it that way, does that change the meaning of, that, of, of what it's actually written on the page? 
I, I think that's actually the proper way of understanding it. So in the Gospel of Mark, they're helping us understand the Old Testament. And Mark is actually explicitly saying that Isaiah, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ did not start with the, like with the birth, but it started before that. And so <laughs> the Gospel writers, and you see this in John explicitly, understand the Old Testament Christologically. In the Gospel of John, there's a huge argument always between the Pharisees and Jesus about interpretation of Scripture because he keeps interpreting it as if it refers to him, and they don't like that. But we always see that in the Gospel of Mark, too. All right, uh, there's a variety of other things we could say, but we're going to move on. Uh, the uh, epistle reading, 2 Peter chapter 3. What did, uh, any major questions from that group? Any major insights? Uh, sure. Uh, well, <laughs> things we talked about, I think, I think um, the beginning of the lesson, uh, the idea that God exists outside of time and space, and the, uh, the time is not meaningful as it is to us. Right. It's different. Um, You're making reference to a, a day is like a thousand, yeah. Okay. Uh, then, uh, after that, it goes into the idea that this additional time being granted while we as, as Christians may await the second coming and look forward to that, this is an example of God demonstrating mercy and that He allows people who have not yet come to Him additional right. time to Him. So it's kind of a half empty, half full glass. Well, yeah, maybe. It depends. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> then the, the next part of it is really the law part of the lesson. We talked a lot about the, the earth being destroyed, the earth and the heavens being destroyed very much more of a, uh, of a the doomsday because that's right. the end of the world. So yep. Then, Hang on to that thought. I want to come back to that. So keep going. Keep going. Uh, then the next thing we thought is, again, the next sentence focuses on the conduct uh, and how people should behave keeping in mind the fact that you have uh, the end times ahead of you and, and uh, that you're waiting for the day of God. And then the, the last part of that paragraph gets into the gospel part. Uh, we're waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness draws. So now there's something coming after that destruction which will be greater than what was destroyed. Yep. That's the gospel message here. And finally the last part is just uh, the thing we came up with was that the, the Last word being peace. So he, uh, it's all this uh, tumultuous times, and we should look at that with peace because we should recognize that it's a necessity for that to happen in order for the new heavens and the new earth to come. Great. Yeah, that's great. The, so I want to come back to the point about so, okay, for everyone who is at church on Sunday, Pastor Bruzek's sermon, he plays on this, didn't he play on this? So, there was the uh, example from the woman from Guatemala, right? The story about the, the Guatemala and how her favorite passage was like the end of the world, basically, right? And which is very similar to Second Peter. When I read this uh, earlier this week, I thought, oh, Pastor Ruzak, this is like the same image being used by, the, by, the, by Peter here. So the... End of the world is, is, is a wonderful thing for people who have suffered, right? The suffering ends. So 
you know, there's a way to think about this, uh, obviously, in a gospel way. However, the only way to see it as a gospel way is having faith, right? I mean, you have this faith in that Christ is coming, so you're confident in his return. You're confident in him coming again and bringing peace. So, uh, but at the same time, as you think about others, you also recognize that this is a time, like you said, a time of mercy. So either way, these are these, there's blessings in this. And this is, the, this is the struggle for all of us because waiting, nobody likes to wait. Right? Waiting is, is just, ugh. Nobody likes that. So we struggle against waiting. But the reality, though, is, is that we're waiting at the same time as we already have what we're waiting for. We just don't have the fullness of it. We have Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. But we are awaiting a fuller relationship where the Bible talks about seeing him face to face. That's like more intimate. And of course, if we understand that meeting in the beauty and the wonder that it actually is, and we think of other people through the lens of love, we have an opportunity, though, in front of us now with the extra time. And then that motivates us to, to think outwardly, not inwardly. Now, the last thing, too, though, is peace. The Old Testament word for peace is shalom, right? And shalom not only means, like, the absence of war, but it is a complete contentness. Like you're actually, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, where like you know you're in the right place at the right time with the right people. Like you're like, I, there's no other place in the universe I would rather be but right there at that time. Yeah. Now, a lot of people haven't experienced that before. Um, but if you have, you know that's like, you can't beat it. You know, like uh, when, you're, when you're a kid, maybe, with your friends, around the fire, just you and your buddies, you know, and you're like, this is great, <laughs> wonderful, it's a lo- lovely. That's shalom. Uh, I'm sure there's other examples, but I thought of Abe and John Winter. Abe Miller and John Winter and me around the campfire, Crystal Lake, Sainter, Wisconsin. That was good times. All right, but, but that's the shalom. So, so the shalom here then is, is that the, not only is Christ coming back and he's going to stop wars and things, but he's going to create this space where <laughs> there's no other place you want to be because you, you're at the right time, at the right place with the right people right there. Again, about the universe dissolving and all that stuff. This is, again, demonstrating how God plays at a different level, right? He's creator. And so, while that might strike fear in some of us, the point is actually not so much to be afraid of God, but to really uh, understand that he's God and we're not. And so then we have that uh, faith in him because we can't do anything. On the comment of the peace, sir, right before that it says, to be diligent, to be found by him without spot or blemish. Yeah. And at peace, sir, so am I to be confident because... 
there's no more existence in me no more. I'm in Christ now. Yeah, right. So spot, yeah, without spotted blemish. That's right. That's Jesus. Yeah. I, I'm at peace already, right? Because I want to be confident when I see him. I'm accepted by him already. That's right. That's right. So, so good job. Because when, um, when we think about spot and blemish, we think of our kind of morality, like our moral stance before God. That's wrong because we're always sinners before God. But if we understand without spot or wrinkle or blemish, without spot or blemish, if we think about it Christologically, then we, re- then we have that confidence because it's, it's for the sake of Christ yeah. and red peace. Yeah. Michael. This, this might be uh, slightly off, but when, when he's using that imagery, uh, are we to kind of presume that Jesus has told Peter about details of, of this, or, or is this just kind of language to, to describe things that humans can't by nature understand? Yeah, well, so it's, it's apocalyptic, right? That's, that's, that's like end times. But some of this imagery is already in the book of Daniel. So he's already ripping off of the Old Testament. Now, again, does the Holy Spirit obviously guided him in to phrase it this way? But the, uh, what was the second point? Leading him... Is it just that it's, it's true, but it's true in a way... Yeah, that's right. That, you, yes, that's exactly right. So, again, even with the book of Revelation, you know, how, how do you describe something that you've never seen or beheld and you have no words for, right? So that's why it goes back to the first point, is that he's ripping off of language of the Old Testament because that seems the most appropriate language to use of this of thing that you can't really comprehend. Yeah, I mean, of course, I always think about movies and you think about scenes where they're trying to like show something that seems to be kind of beyond the pale of our experience, you know, and how, how can that be done? And, you know, yeah. All right, let's go to the Old Testament for a little bit here. Comfort, comfort, my people. All right, any major, any major uh, questions that came up? Or any uh, insightful points, the meeting of the minds. Go ahead, David. Uh, so, looking at the Luther commentary for this, um, the way that uh, God, through Isaiah, talks to his people to speak tenderly to Jerusalem, what Luther says about this is that this is a winsome pleading to touch the heart of a maiden who he is supporting and loves. That's right, that's perfect. Yep. It's all throughout the Old Testament with God. That's right. Yeah, so the first few verses of of chapter 40 is uh, nuptial imagery. And we see this not only in nuptial, bridegroom, bride, man, woman. We see this in the book of Hosea. We see this in Jeremiah. We see the, well, we see it in Isaiah. More in Isaiah than just here. And then we also see, see the opposite of it in Ezekiel, like the kind of the, the flip, like the unfaithful spouse, but that spousal imagery is still within the in, in, in the book of Ezekiel. In fact, the word and I, and I forgot to do this. I apologize. But the word for um, I'd be interested to find out what the word for iniquity is in verse two, because of this imagery. Oftentimes, the Idolatry in the Old Testament is actually adultery. 
don't have a word for idolatry. But when the translators translate it, they translate it as idolatry because, you know, the images, they're kind of mixing images in our brains. So I wonder here, though, if iniquity is, in fact, her adultery will be pardoned. Which, which is, is the, you know, like in Ezekiel, like the one last bit where, yeah, it will be, it will be forgiven. A lot of imagery in here, right? So we have the, the spousal imagery. Then we have the mountains again. We have the geography imagery. We also then have uh, kind of the herald the, uh, uh, towards the end of the reading. Go up on a high mountain and proclaim these things. Anything else from the Old Testament group? Because I have, I have a couple of things that I can say if not. We, I think, settled on what does it really mean to prepare. Great. And really prepare ourselves for Advent and receiving Christ. I think it came from a lot of comments around yeah. humility and not focusing on our own accomplishments or you know, yeah, right. ourselves, um, how to receive God like Mary did. Um, yeah. And to do so humbly, and then we can sing our Magnificat with her. That's right, we'll do that later. Yeah, okay, good. So you, you brought up Advent. This is really important because all these texts, of course, are read during Advent. And Advent has a character to it. You know, we, uh, and it's preparing. We're preparation for the birth of Jesus. And so within these, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but in all three of these Bible passages, there is a waiting or preparing or anticipation for something. And now again, if you just read the book of Isaiah and you read this in the wider context of Isaiah, that's all part and parcel of it. But we're reading it in the context of Advent, which doesn't change the meaning of it, but just kind of focuses it in a particular way for our own lives. So it makes it very practical in that sense. How does it make it practical? Well, just based on what Bradley just said. There are, the church year is so important for us to take advantage of because there are seasons where we do need to get serious about our faith, to get serious about our practice of faith. And if we don't take advantage of these opportunities, we're just going to kind of fumble through life and just say, ah, it's not a big deal. Well, Jesus loves me no matter what. I, it doesn't matter what I do. Well, that, that's a terrible attitude. And you, you, try that with your spouse. Okay, you know it's not going to work. So don't try it with God, okay? God will still love you. This is absolutely true. The problem is, is that it's for you to take advantage of the church here. God doesn't need your good works. Nobody, he doesn't need that. Your neighbor does. God doesn't need your fasting. You actually do. Wow. So you need to, you, so taking advantage of that, and that's when you read these Bible passages, you know, week in and week out during Advent, we want to understand that, you know, we're doing this because Jesus is coming. Yes, of course, he came 2,000 years ago. But we go through this every single year because none of us are perfect, and we need to keep doing it. So the, it's not like we're uh, 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 
a, a, you know, a gerbil and a wheel, right? Just going nowhere? It's actually the opposite. It's, we're a gerbil that has, like, let the wheel go. So we are moving forward. I mean, when we practice our faith, we are moving along. We are, we are moving on the way. This is the whole point. Prepare the way of the Lord. We are following Jesus. It might feel like we're doing the same thing over and over again, but we're moving because we're following Jesus. Jesus does never stand still. Jesus never, it, that, that's not part of, our, part of the Bible. So we're always moving. And so we want to take advantage of this opportunity. And these texts help us with that. Because we have a variety of things we can even pull from that in terms of what David said earlier, uh, if we spend a little time with Isaiah, and of course the, repentant, uh, the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And looking back on that, now that we have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, that changes our outlook. Okay. David. Sorry, one quick comment. So in terms of what repentance looks like, I think Pastor Bruzek painted a really good picture in his sermon, one of his Advent sermons last year. He says repentance looks like God coming to us and God says, you're a wreck. And we say, yes, I am. And he says, you know, it's your sins that are so hard on you. And our response is, I know. He says, I love sinners. Go and sin no more. And then we say, it's a good idea. And that's kind of boring. That's right. Well, that's exactly right. And, and this is where, um, as we meditate upon the uh, Gospels, of course, that's the, that's the witness of Jesus. Jesus is always coming up. He never pretends that no one's a sinner. And besides, we don't need, that's a, there's no healing in pretending. We want someone to actually see us for who we are and then say, you don't, yeah, you don't have to be that way anymore. Follow me. So, yeah, it, nice job. Thanks, David. The, uh, okay, great. I was going to say a couple more things, but we don't, we have plenty of gr- things to chew on. Hopefully, listening to the sermon this last Sunday was even, even more helpful based on what we did last week. Hopefully, that was uh, a good thing. But now you have, uh, you can anticipate more coming up than this weekend. I'm preaching, so we'll see how I do next week, okay? We'll see how that works. But. Okay, all right, let's head down to the chapel.